Well, this is it. We are in the final week of what I kind of think of as our summer Bible series, part six, uh, covering the life of Joseph, who I think has got to be one of the most fascinating characters in all the Bible, at least in regards of this. I look at Joseph as the model for which I want to live my life by. Outside of Jesus, when you look at different guys in the Bible, you think, man, I want to be like that guy. That guy's awesome. And so Joseph is that guy who, at the age of 17, like any teenager, is a little bit too smart for his own good. You know, every teenager kind of believes that he knows better than you. You know, that's why every teenager, you know, like bring their report home and their report card says they got an F. And they're like, why did you get an F? Because my teacher's stupid. And so, you know, it's not all there yet. But it's a teenager, he's still a good kid. And so as a teenager, he has this dream of greatness that God's going to elevate him to incredible greatness. And the dream is vague. It doesn't say like what and how and when and how it's going to shake down. And by the way, God, it's frustrating, isn't it? He never does that. He never gives you the details, does he? He gives you like maybe A and Z and then everything in the middle. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll just be with you. Just go. And so, so God does that with Joseph's life and he begins to go. But you know, when you're, when you have this dream at 17, you start, start sharing it with the wrong people, including your brothers who kind of hate you and despise you and, and resent you a little bit. His brothers end up, well, they're going to kill him originally. And then they think, well, if we sell him, we can at least get some money for him. And so they betray, man, I mean, that's some ultimate betrayal right there. That's bad. The people that hurt us the most are usually the people closest to us because they're the people that we think of anybody should have our back and should be there to support us and help us. We don't typically get too upset when strangers do, do stupid stuff. We, we, but when the people closest to us, that's why our father wound and our mother wound go deeper than any other. Because if anybody that could have hurt us, our family wound goes deeper. Because if anybody should have been there for us, should have been our family. And so Joseph experiences an incredible betrayal. Not just once, though. I mean, he goes down to Egypt and he says, well, you know, I'm just going to do good. And I'm going to serve God and do my best. And so he starts climbing up the ladder and he gets lied about. He's thrown into prison, falsely accused, totally was, was a good guy, but got thrown into prison. He does that and he, he, he does really good. He seems to keep a good attitude. I'm going to just do my best and give my best. He works his way up the prison system. I don't know. Anyway, we don't know how that works exactly. That By the end of it, they say that the chief jailer thought he was such a stud that they were like, hey, you just run the place and I'll just keep an eye on you. And they let Joseph run the prison. You got to be a pretty, you're a pretty, pretty sharp guy to pull that off. And so. So anyway, Joseph makes friends in prison. He thinks, all right, perfect. Now I got some friends that know the king. When they get out, they're going to hook me up. No. His friends forget about him. Two, three years later, finally something comes up and one of the friends remembers him. He's like, oh, yeah, there's this guy. I forgot. Whoops. And, and so he gets to come because of his, his gift, his ability to interpret dreams. He comes, becomes um, basically the prime minister of Egypt. He comes before Pharaoh, interprets the dream, gives him the explanation of the dream and how they should execute and do, move forward. He goes on to say that incredible famine's coming. And here's how I, by the way, here's how I would fix it if I were you. And then Pharaoh's like, well, that's so brilliant. You just do it. And so he becomes the prime minister of Egypt. Last week we learned he's given like the dope ring from Pharaoh. He's given the fine linen and the gold, Mr. T, you know, he's got the, he's got everything and life is sweet. Life is amazing. Life is incredible. Everything's going great. Have you ever, have you ever had it to where life was going great and then all of a sudden something just disrupts that? And, and many times what disrupts that is people. Have you ever just been having the best day ever and, and you're, you're at Starbucks and you have a grande caramel latte with whipped cream and the nice drizzle sauce on top and you think, what an easy day, what a chill day. I got my, I got my, and then all of a sudden like, that person walks in. That person walks in. Like the person from your past. And all of a sudden, like, 
something on the inside of you just goes, you know, and like, like, I hate them, you know, whatever. And so you run into somebody, you run in, you, you ever done that? You ever gone to the class reunion and you bump into, like you, you, you had rebuilt your self-esteem, you feel good about yourself, and all of a sudden you run into the, you go to the reunion, you're reminded of like what that person did to you, what those girls said about you, what those experiences are like way back then, and all of a sudden you thought life was going, you ever had a sleepless night because of something somebody said to you or did to you? You ever been like offended? I had this not too long ago. Somebody just outright insulted me. Not at church. This is totally, you guys are great. Uh, people are going to be like, who did what? No, not in church. This is outside of church. And, 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 and literally, I think I had a night or two where like, I just didn't sleep as easy. And you kind of you rehearse a little bit, don't you? You go over in your mind what you want to say or what you should have said. Or, you know, God forbid, if it's real bad, you envision what you'd like to do to them. Uh, God willing that the police wouldn't find out, you know, things like that. And so... So you, you, you have these moments where life seems to be going good and then all of a sudden something comes back or something comes up and all of a sudden, even though everything on the outside is going pretty good, something on the inside is not going good. And I've discovered that I still have some bitterness. I still have some unforgiveness in my heart because it's easy to walk through life because when you get far enough away from somebody offending you or hurting you, you know, because there's an old saying that says time heals all wounds. You heard that before? That's not true. Um, Time, time does give you some space from that wound. It helps you like, you know, suppress that wound. You just, just stuff it. Just stuff it down deep. Never feel that again. You know, time allows you to do certain things to wounds, but it doesn't necessarily, Jesus heals all wounds. Time does not necessarily heal all wounds. Sometimes it can help. Well, Joseph has the encounter that we're describing today. Everything is going good. But remember, famine has broken out. There was seven years of abundance. He's raking in hand over fist. The, the, the national economy is booming. And then they're prepared, though. So they stockpile all the food and all the goods because they know seven years of famine are coming. Well, the famine was so severe, it didn't just hit Egypt. It hit Egypt in every surrounding place. Well, where did his brothers live? Back up the street. A little place called Canaan. And they had famine too. And when they ran out of money, word had spread. Even though everybody else is going to starve to death, Egypt has food. And so the dad and all the brothers, they're like, hey, look, we got to get food. We got to feed the kids. We got to stay alive here. Uh, sons, I want you to go down to Egypt and I want you to go get some food. Who's in charge of all the food? Yeah. Yeah. For years, we're talking about 20 something years have gone by. They never sent out a search party. They never felt bad about what they did. They never were like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have sold Joseph. Let's try to go get him. Come on. They never went looking for him again. They completely left him and assumed he was dead and just kind of moved on with their lives. But when they show up to Egypt, who's sitting there with all the money? Now, here's the tricky part. If you don't know the story, they don't know that's Joseph. Now, my assumption is this, is that Joseph done got that shaved head and some funky eyebrows and done got Egyptianized. You know what I'm saying? Just because he was raised, uh, you know, or not raised, but he was he was he was in the palace. So you probably had to look presidential ish, you know, and, and for them that had a Egyptian look to him. So he didn't look like a Canaanite anymore. He looked like probably like an Egyptian. And then you remember 20 something years had gone by. So. How many know you don't look exactly the same? You don't have the boyish little peach fuzz anymore. You can have man beard now. Or you can, you know, you, you look a little more rugged. I'm sure all those years of slavery and prison, you got to remember how many years he was in prison, he probably kind of looked rough maybe even. So between looking rough, looking older, looking Egyptian, they had no idea it was Joseph. Dude, 
a series of events. There's just so much to read that I, I don't even want to cover. That's why I'm summarizing the story here. Joseph eventually reveals to his brother, hey, it's, it's me. Now, how many know that's got to be a crazy reunion? Let's read part of the story now. Genesis chapter 50, verse number 15. The Bible says that after they're reintroduced to Joseph, they've gotten food, the dad comes down, on and on and on. The Bible says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said to themselves, hmm, I think perhaps maybe that Joseph hates us. It's a good call, right? And may actually repay us all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph. They didn't go themselves. They sent messengers to Joseph saying, hey, before your dad died, he commanded. And he said, you need to say this to Joseph. This is what we say to him. I beg you. Please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the trespasses of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly. Now, that's pretty incredible, isn't it? This is the final test that we will talk about. We've been talking about how he faced the prison test and the purity test. And, 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 and there's all these different tests. This is the final test, and we'll call it the forgiveness test. And Joseph passes it with flying colors. I don't fully know why. The Bible can't give every detail. It can't get you right into the psyche of Joseph. And it doesn't share with you every feeling that he had while he went through uh, slavery, while he went through the prison. We're, not, we're just not open to everything. So we get to speculate and interpret and guess a little bit. But here's what I believe. I believe that Joseph didn't wait this long to forgive. I think this is just the first time he ever got a chance to say, I forgive. And the reason why is because throughout the life of Joseph, there was one phrase that repeated itself. And the phrase was this. And the Lord was with Joseph. You know, it was this. It was like, I'm a slave, but God is with me. I'm a prisoner now, but God is with me. And here's what we saw is when God is with you, you can actually... Put your life on an upward trajectory and do incredible things despite your bad circumstances. That your circumstances don't trump God. God trumps your circumstances. And when God is in your life and all over your life. and you, now, now here's why I say that though. Because the Bible kind of makes it clear about the issue of forgiveness. I don't think the Lord's presence would have been with him like that had he harbored bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness Towards his brothers. So I think he passed this test a long time ago. And now he's just getting the opportunity to kind of, kind of put it on display. So in this account, Genesis chapter 50, the very first book of the Bible, this is the first time we see the word forgive in all of Scripture. Did you know that? It, it didn't come up with Adam and Eve. I'm sure they had marital disputes and probably had to do this. But it didn't come up. And Cain and Abel, well, that, that didn't go down good. But this is the first time you see the word forgive. In all of the Bible. And it's directly related to Joseph forgiving his family from an ultimate betrayal. It's it's a killer story. And so what you find is this, though, is when you look at the word forgive in the Hebrew language, it means to absolve or to release fully. 
it actually kind of has the idea, it's because, it's, 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 you know, Hebrew words, they're sometimes packed in. There's lots of meaning because they had a short vocabulary. Another place that when you look at it in Scripture that they use the word forgive, as a matter of fact, maybe even the most of the time, it's not even the word forgive like we would say it. It means to bear up or to lift up, to bear something. Because when you forgive, you need to know this. Like somebody's done somebody wrong and somebody's going to have to catch the blunt end of that thing. Like people ask all the time, well, like, why couldn't God just forgive everybody? Why did Jesus have to die? It's because all sin is a debt, is a weight, is an offense, and somebody's got to pay. It's likened unto this. If you come over to my house and you pull into my drive and you knock down my mailbox, I might forgive you. I'll, I'll, I'll forgive you. But if I forgive you, how many know somebody's got to pay for the mailbox? Right? So just because I forgive you doesn't mean I just wave a magic wand and everything's done. Somebody has to pay for the debt offense that has taken place. This is how sin works, isn't it? So the reason why God just can't wave his magic wand of forgiveness and grace is because there's still a debt that has to be paid. And so what he did was this. He says, okay, you have a debt that you can't pay. And Jesus steps up and says, well, I have a debt that I don't really owe, but I'll take it anyway. And so Jesus receives the debt that you and I pay so that you and I can be what? Forgiven. This is why it means to bear up. It's because literally the Bible says that all the weight of sin of the world was on Jesus and he bore it on himself. This is, this is the gospel, people. This is forgiveness. This is, this is why forgiveness is such a crucial issue. And then when you read the scripture, you see the idea of forgiveness coming up so much. This is the gospel. This is the crux of Christianity. This is the, this is the hinge that the door swings on. And so this is a big deal to God. This is why God says so many things that we'll look at in just a minute where he makes a big issue of forgiveness because it is a big deal. Now, here's what I want you to know is that we all know that we ought to forgive people because somebody's told you that. Do you know that every major religion in the world teaches you that you should forgive if somebody asks for forgiveness? You all, we all know that, right? If you're, you've had parents, you probably like had to do this with your brother or sister. Or you're like, well, you should forgive them. And it sounds real sweet and it sounds real nice. And every major religion teaches that. So most of us already know that we should forgive people. Here's where Jesus is radical. Jesus actually takes a step further and says, I don't care if they even ask you for forgiveness. He's the only one that steps out and says, I don't care if they ask you or not. Here's what I really want you to do. I want you to forgive them anyway. Well, what if they don't deserve it? Nah, I don't care. What if they didn't earn it? Just do it anyway. What if they didn't repent? Still do it. What, what if they're still doing it to me? Uh, yep, keep on forgiving. And you're like, what? This is ludicrous up in here. And so, and, and, and this is what we see in the life of Joseph. Now, I, what I just read for you, many of you probably just, I, I, I want to read through this. Because the brothers are incredibly manipulative in this situation. Did you, did you see that when we read the scripture? Did you notice? They're, they're pulling a fast one on Joseph, or trying to. But see, when you give forgiveness freely, it doesn't matter if they pull one or don't pull one. You're giving it regardless. L- l- listen to this. L- let's read back to verse 16. So, the, so they sent a messenger and they said this. Before your father died, he, com- he commanded. Everybody say commanded. Because that sounds better than suggested or asked. We're going to say that dad commanded. Now, now, here's what else you need to know about this situation. As far as we know, Jacob, the father, never even knew what went down. It never comes up. Joseph never makes it an issue. Joseph never gets to dad and say, you know what? It's time for me and you have a little power. We're going to catch up on this. Do you know? Do you know? 
what they did to me. Do you know how I got here? I know it's great now, but you know how to, what I had to get through to get here? You're one, two, three, all of all ten of them suckers. As far as we know, Jacob never fully found out the whole story. But now, Jacob is, is, is commanding. Jacob never commanded anything. This is after Jacob died that the brothers get together. Now, here's what we know, because it says this in the very first verse. Remember, it said that after dad died, they're like, "Mm, I think Joseph might be angry. And they were afraid. And out of their fear, they get together. They're like, "Okay, this is what we're going to do. We got to be together on this. We got to collude. Everybody got to say the same thing. Dad is going to command Joseph. Are you ready? So he commanded them. And then it says, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and sin, for they did evil to you. Now, here's, here's the audacity. They never even apologized. They didn't repent. They never said, I'm sorry. This is the words of, of Jacob coming to Joseph. This is basically Jacob apologizing for his sons. That's not the same. I want, an, I want an apology from you. You ever done that to somebody? You're like so hurt, so mad. You're like, no, no. I want to hear you say the words. I'm sorry. And you like put them on front street. Just make them. These guys don't apologize. They pull the, the dad card, the commanded, because dad's dead. And you know dad's dying wishes were. Our father's not with us. What he really wanted, commanded. That's messed up, ain't it? Using, using your dead father against you. Dust jacked up. So, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin because they did evil against you. Now please forgive the trespasses. Now listen to this, this is so rich. Please forgive the trespasses of the servants of the God of your father. Well, are you going to play the God card on me now? First you play my dead dad card on me and now, now here's the deal. They knew that Joseph honored God with his life. And so, like, since we know that you honor God, here's the class, here's the title we're going to give. We are the servants of God. So you can't be mad at us. Like, yes, I can, sucker. I am. Do you know who I am? Because here's what you need to know. If anybody had the ability to pay their brothers back, it was Joseph. Joseph was the most powerful man in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. He could, have done, he could have thrown them in that same stanky dungeon that he was in. He could have gone and made them be slaves. He could have, he could have just executed. He literally had carte block, could have done whatever he wanted to these guys. But he didn't. So it's one thing to forgive people who repent, isn't it? They're sorry. They've changed. You see God doing a work in them? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll forgive you. What, what do you do to the brothers who were so awful to you back then and never fully repent now and even manipulate just to save their own skin? What do you do to those people? When you have all the power, what do you do to them? That's the ultimate test of forgiveness, isn't it? That's where you really, really know that I can pass the forgiveness test is when I forgive people that didn't even ask me for it. And I can let go of people. And so this is the idea. Everybody say the word release. This is the idea. Is at some point in time you're going to have to let these people go. Joseph did it a long time ago, and I know that because the God's presence was all over him, and that would not have happened that way had he been harboring bitterness. The Bible's very clear about that. So all throughout his life, he's let it go a long time ago. And even when his brothers don't come and repent, and they even try to play the dad card and the God card, and like, uh, 
fine, I'll forgive you. I don't even, I'm letting you go. And that's what forgiveness really is. Forgiveness is taking all the debt that somebody owes you and saying this, I cancel your debt. You're free. Get out of here. You're done. Go. You don't owe me anything. You are free. And the kickback is this. Sometimes we have a kickback and the kickback is is like, well, but, but they were wrong. Well, of course they're wrong. We don't forgive right people, do we? You ever forgiven a person for doing right? No. So the, the only people you can forgive are what? Wrong folks. So, so like, but they're wrong. I know they're, of course they're wrong. And so we have this, we have this kickback. We have these little things where we, we, we try to throw back. And, and, and so listen to these words in Romans chapter 12. Paul says this. Paul says, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, meaning the, the, the balanced, good, just anger, the anger that can be held in check and not, because my anger doesn't work like that, right? Um, righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Everything in your instincts is to get them back. Everything in your instincts is to, to make them pay, isn't it? And Jesus is saying, here's the word I want, you, I want you to release them. I want you to let them go. And here's what you need to know. When you let them go, what you're actually doing is letting yourself go. Because you don't realize that the bitterness that you harbor, many times they don't even know that you're bitter. You ever had that before? Like, like somebody wounded you, they don't even know that they wounded you. They're so oblivious. By the way, I'm sorry if I've ever done that. I just want to put that out there real quick. Um, but yeah, like, so, so like sometimes like they, they don't even know. Some, sometimes you have to forgive people that have passed away. Sometimes you have to forgive people that could never pay you back what they stole from you. That's where, that's where it comes in. And so like if you harbor, you're talking about people that don't care, don't even know, they passed on, they couldn't pay you back if they wanted to, and you want me to release them? Yeah, because you can't get anything back from them anyway, and the only person bound up is you. The bitterness in you. So when you release them, you actually release yourself from the bitterness. Because have you ever met a bitter soul? Have you ever met somebody who, who held on to anger and resentment so long? What kind of a person did they turn into? Their bitterness actually kind of infected them from the inside out like a cancer. And it changed them. It made them an angry person. It made them a bitter soul when it was them that did wrong. You became wrong in the process. Not because you wanted to, but because you didn't know how to release and let them go. So the Bible says, don't, don't be the guy that needs to pay people back. Rather be the guy that just lets God handle business. Because God is a righteous judge. He'll figure it out all in the end. The second word I want you to do is this. Everybody say release, or receive. So there's release. You have to let them go. But you have to receive something yourself. And, and here's what I mean by that. The reason why most people can't forgive is because they've never truly experienced forgiveness for themselves. Okay, let me say that again. Many of you don't really forgive other people because you've never truly experienced it for yourself. You have in your head, but you never have in your heart, in your gut, in the, in the, in the deep places of your soul. There you haven't received forgiveness. I know so many Christians that go to church week in, week out, you still don't really believe that you're forgiven by God. Because I can see it based on the way that you act, based on the way you respond to God. You, you, you think you still owe. You think God's still going to get you. You still think you have to pay. And I'm telling you, Jesus has already paid, but you still feel like this is why many of you are guilt driven. People who are guilt driven don't know they've already been freed. 
They think they still have to show up and, and be a slave and work for something that you've already been completely free from and for, completely released from. And so, so God says these things. He goes, no, forgiveness is, is, is incredibly free. You, you can't earn it. Like You need to know that. that. That's what grace is, isn't it? Grace is when God gives you something that you don't deserve. If you ever deserved it, it wouldn't be called grace anymore. It, it, it's, it's, like, it's like a surprise birthday party that you already know about. If you already know about it, can it be a surprise anymore? No. So they're mutually exclusive ideas. You can't have grace that is earned. It's impossible. As soon as you've earned it, you've lost it. So all of you who keep trying to work to be good enough, if that's your motivation is to pay off debt, you've missed it. All of a sudden you took grace and you made it into something other than what it was. So God's saying, no, I want, you, I, want, I want to free you when you've done nothing to deserve it. I want to free you when you've never earned it at all. That's what I want to do because that's what amazing grace is. That is the gospel of grace, that you're just free. Now, in light of that, if you can experience that and it not affect who you are, I don't think you got it. But grace can never be earned. It can never be deserved. It's just something that God wants to do because that's who God is. And you can't change him even if you wanted to. That's who God is. And so, so God says these things about forgiveness and grace. But then for those who, who begin to follow him, he has these challenging words. Now I want you to be like me. I want you to give people grace. I want you to give people forgiveness. But God, they don't earn it. Nope. Because it, for, for those of you who are guilt-based, and this is the, the trap that you fall into, if you believe that you must earn forgiveness, you know what you, how you treat other people? You think that they need to earn your forgiveness. When you when you're bad, and you know, you're bad. And you haven't done right by God and you think that you have to pay. You know how you treat other people when they do bad. You make them pay. And this is how we stop the cycle of grace from continuing on. Does that make sense? Like we blocked grace. We stopped grace. We made it something that you had to earn or deserve. Therefore, grace just poof and disappeared. It was gone. All all because not because God wasn't gracious, because you weren't gracious. Because you made it about something that you had to earn or deserve or had to pay or had to owe. This, this is why Jesus said these radical words. How many of you have ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? You've been somewhere, Catholic church. Or, I, I did a wedding once. They made me do the Lord's Prayer for everybody. And I jacked it up. I like, misquoted it. And I'm like, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to know this stuff. And so I love the Lord's Prayer, by the way. I don't recite it like over and over and over. I pray through it is what I do. Like I think I, I pray one line and then I pray all about that. And I just pray through it. It's incredible. When you get down about two thirds of the way through the prayer, though, he says these words. He goes, and father, forgive my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. Isn't that how it goes? Is that where we all do you know what you're praying? I don't know if you've ever thought about what you're praying. What you're praying is this is God. I want you to forgive me the same way that I forgive other people. And they were like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to pray that prayer now. I don't like that. I, that is not the arrangement I want. God, what I would really like is for you to give me freely. And yet when it comes to those people, I would like to cut somebody. And so that, can I pray that? Father, forgive my trespasses and maybe I'll forgive other people's trespasses. We could rewrite it. But that, that, so that's, that's the, what we're on. You didn't even know you were praying that. All of a sudden you're like, oh, junk, I got to rethink this. If I want God to forgive me the same way that I'm forgiving other people, what should we do? You're free. You're free. You're free. No, you don't owe me anything. You're, no, don't even worry about it. You don't have to return. No, you're free. That's the way we treat other people. We realize, oh, my God. And then after that, he ends up backing that up with some other things. He says, for if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive 
Your trespass. Like, Jesus, this was supposed to be a good prayer, and you have totally ruined it right here at the end. You have totally messed up what was a really good thing. Because, like, the whole, like, provide for me and love me and your kingdom come. That sounded really cool. But then all of a sudden you throw in this stuff, and it's like, well, this isn't as nice as it first appeared to be. Yet Jesus makes this a crucial issue because he gives grace freely. He gives forgiveness freely. And that's the way he wants you. Whether they earned it or deserved it or not, he wants you to do that. And to do that, you're going to have to release them. You literally have to take everything that they owe you and choose. You won't feel like it, by the way. But you'll have to choose to cancel their debt. Now, how many ever had somebody offend you? If you don't have your hand up, I would like to meet you right now. You're an infant in this room, apparently. There's an infant in the back right there. You ever had somebody do you wrong, lie about you, talk about you, do you dirty, do you shady? Do... Then we all have had people offend us. We all have a debt now that somebody owes us. Now, some of the times we don't care that much and we just let it go immediately. Sometimes we get over it quickly and we just let it go immediately. But some stuff, again, the people that are closest to us, they hurt us the deepest. Because if anybody should have been there, it should have been them. And we carry that wound with us. And at some point in time, you're going to have to let them go. But to do that, you've got to remember the grace that was given you. Like, this is why I don't get how other people forgive. Like, people who don't know Jesus, I'm like, you should just harbor bitterness and be angry about it. I, I I don't know what your motivation is. My motivation is this. If the grace of God that was given to me is so incredible, and the forgiveness that he gave me was so incredible, and that's what he wants me to do, then I can get that. But people that have no motive, I don't know what their motivation is. I don't know what it is. And, and lastly is this. I want you to believe. Everybody say believe. believe. So there's the idea that you must release. You have to release them. You have to receive forgiveness for yourself. But this really hinges on the idea of who you believe God to be. You must believe in the character and the nature of God. Here, here's what I mean by this. Listen to Psalms 103 verse 12. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? Uh, illogical far. So, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That when God forgives you, because you ever done this before? You've probably done this with your spouse before. You ever had your spouse do something and then like in the moment you forgive them, but then like three months later you get into a new argument and you're, you're, you're kind of losing the argument and you, you need some backup ammunition. You need a go-to move. You need, you need, you need like your spare in your holster down in your ankle holes. And you need, you need something to throw at them. And so what, you, you thought you had forgiven them and let them go. And all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, well bang. And you just flip out something from three months ago. The statute of limitations has not passed. Booyah in your face. And so that's the way many times we treat other people. We, we release them, but then we bring it back if we need to. We bring it back if they hurt us again. Because then it's like, oh, 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 well, now I got a list of things. And we go back to like 1994 and we're like, see, right here, there's a list. Now, listen, 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 there's not, I want, I want you to understand me. There's a huge difference, huge difference between love and trust. There's a huge difference between forgiveness and trust. I don't want you to walk out of this place and think that to forgive people means to allow people to walk all over you and you become a doormat. That's not what it means at all. To forgive somebody means to let them go from their debt. It does not mean that you should entrust them again necessarily. Does that make sense? Like, like if somebody continually hurts you, no, 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 avoid them, stay away. Like free them, release them, but then create some incredible boundaries and stay the heck away from them. Does that make sense? If you have an abusive spouse, no, 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 no. I forgive you, get out. You know, that... that Okay, good. So I don't want you to walk away and me have confused somebody and think that forgiveness is just this ooey gooey thing where we just say, everybody's great and we just let everybody go. 
You let them go from the debt they owe you. It does not mean that you give them full access to your heart, to your mind, to your emotions, to your physical being. Does that make sense? That's, that's not what that means. But we need to let them go. I'm saying let them go and then let it go as far as the east is the west. Look at this. First Peter 3.12. The Bible says this. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And so, again, we, we, have this, we have this kind of dynamic going back and forth. Many of you, because you haven't fully received forgiveness and you don't truly know the character and nature of God, you see yourself as evil. And therefore, you still kind of act some evil at some times. And you never believe that God is fully for you. And when you believe that, you can't give grace. You can't give forgiveness the way that God would have you. But here's what you need to know. Please get this. You are righteous. You're like, Todd, but I don't feel righteous. I know. I don't either always. Well, I don't always do righteous. I know. I, I, I don't always do righteous. I'm not perfect either. But I am righteous. I'll show you why. Remember, God hears the righteous. The grace is there. Listen to these words. 2 Corinthians 5.21. We'll begin to wrap it up right here. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to actually be sin or become sin for us, so that we might become what? righteous like 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 i need you to believe in the character and nature of god i need you to know that he is a god of grace that, that he is a god of forgiveness i need you to know that god has made you righteous not because of what you've done but because he, he he took up the sin that was on you and he put it on jesus and so now when he sees you he actually sees the perfection and righteousness of jesus that's the way god sees you how would a person like that live how would a person like that act how would a person that was truly the righteousness of God, how would that person respond to the face of, of offense and bitterness? How would that person live and act and respond? I'm telling you, there's just something to this. And many of you out there, I'm, 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 be careful of being too quick to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I've forgiven them. Oh, yeah, 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 I've forgiven them. I've met too many people who believe that they had forgiven them. And then all of a sudden it revisits somehow. I, I, I'll prove it to you. You thought you let them go, and then you ran into them at Starbucks. Why did you feel funky all of a sudden? You thought you had let them go, and then you run into them at the family reunion. When you think about them, if your stomach begins to nod up a little bit, I'm telling you, if you still have some imaginary conversations, if you still have some daydreams, if you still have some sleepless nights, you have not fully forgiven them. Because forgiveness is not a one-time thing. It's a journey that you walk on. You continually choose to let somebody go. You continually choose to forgive them over and over until God is allowed all the way in to heal your heart. That is what God wants you to experience. That is the test that Joseph passed. And here's why it's so crucial. You're like, Todd, why is this in here? I'm telling you this because if you don't learn to operate in grace and you don't learn to let go and to release people of the debt they owe you, you will never experience the dream that God has for your life. You'll experience parts of it. And I'm not saying your life can't be. I'm, I'm telling you, something will be missing. You will not have the fullness of all that God is and wants to do in you if you harbor bitterness. It just this is why Jesus said, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father can't. That literally it blocks something in your relationship with God. We have got to learn to be a people of grace, and we, the way we do that is by remembering the grace that was given to us. When we receive it, then we can begin to give it to other people. Last story and I'm done. There's this incredible story I just read about. It was a World War II story. It was these Scottish soldiers who had gotten taken into a prison camp in Japan. 
And these soldiers were forced into incredible labor, and it was painful and horrible, and they were beaten and abused. And, and, and as a matter of fact, there was a story. This came out of a, a specific book about World War II and these prison camps. And, and these soldiers were forced to dig ditches for the railroad. And so one day, um, the, the guy that was in charge of them all was so mean and so brutal, they went and did a count of all the equipment. And when they counted, they found one shovel missing. And when they saw that the shovel was missing, he brings all the guys together. He threatens them. He says, look, I'm going to do this. Who did this? Where is the shovel? And, and finally he says, look, if somebody doesn't know, because nobody confessed to taking a shovel. And finally he says, if somebody doesn't owe up to taking the shovel, I'm going to kill you all. And so one of the soldiers stepped forward and said it was me. And the brutal man picked up the shovel and beat the man to death with the shovel. It was incredible because afterwards they went back and were, were collecting everything else. And they realized that the shovel had always been there, that it was simply a miscount. And that what this soldier had done is freely given himself for the life of everybody. Well, this little story began to spread to all the different camps and became this story of inspiration that drew all of the men together. They bonded together and began to call themselves brothers. One life, sacrifice for the sake and the good of everyone else. Well, eventually the Allies swept through Japan and things began to fall apart and, and, and the Allies began to win. And sure enough, they got to this prison camp and they were able to release the prisoners. But they had all the guys that were running the prison camp there. And they had, as the story goes, all these prisoners are so frail. They look like skeletal bodies. They're just so beat up and malnourished and malnutrition. And they're given this opportunity there where they could have said anything or done anything they wanted to. And one of the men spoke up and said these words. And these are the words I want you to remember. He said, no more hatred. No more killing. Now what we need is forgiveness. No more hatred. No more killing. Now what we need is forgiveness. If Jesus could do it for us, Joseph could do it for his brothers, if these men could do it for their captors, I'm telling you, we have to learn to be a people of grace. And let me just put it like this, and I'll say this in closing. Life is too short, and God is too good for you to harbor bitterness. Somebody needs to let somebody else go. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes in this room. And there are many of you in here today who, as I was talking, you had a thought, you had a person, you had a family member, a relative, a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister. It's somebody that you knew, man, they did me shady. They did me wrong. You've been betrayed. Some of you have been abused emotionally, sexually. There's been some awful stuff. I'm telling you that they don't deserve it. I'm not trying to say that they do. They probably never earned it, probably never will. I want you to forgive for grace. Because I want you to experience freedom from bitterness. I want you to experience freedom from, from anger or hatred. I want you to be free. God wants you to be free today. I want you to experience grace from your Heavenly Father. I want Some of you in here, you, you've never heard it like that. I'm telling you, it, you cannot earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't be good enough for it. I just want you to accept it and then be overwhelmed by it. And being overwhelmed by it, go out and live a different life. Be a different person because of how good God is. Who is the person that you need to let go of today? Who is the person that you need to look at all that they owe? And they might owe a lot. But to simply look at them and say, you know what? I cancel your debt. You don't owe me anymore. I forgive you. You don't have to pay me back. Who is it that you need to let go of today? Some of you, unfortunately, it's not one person. There's a few. And I'm so sorry. And my heart breaks for the stories. And I know the pain that you've experienced. And I don't want to minimize that. All I want to do is maximize on the grace of God and tell you that God can be with you. That God can heal all wounds. 
Not time, but God can heal all wounds. God wants to heal you today. God wants you to know how amazing and wonderful and good he is. And in light of that, be able to treat people differently. So, Father, we ask, God, that you would just empower us, that you would strengthen us, that, God, you would help us and that you would heal us. God, help us to become a people of grace, a people of mercy, a people that can extend forgiveness even when they didn't ask. Father, we pray that we would be that shining light, like a city set on a hill which cannot be hidden, that we would be the salt of the earth, Lord God, the light of the world. Help us to be those people, Lord. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?